We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. A life of influence isn't achieved overnight. It is built through the consistent application of wisdom and hard work. Dr. Derek Greer's brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big, provides you with 120 bite-sized nuggets of insight on practical topics such as marriage and finances, as well as wisdom for personal growth and leadership development. It will ask you penetrating questions to help you reflect and apply what you've learned. This book will stimulate self-examination and provide fuel for personal transformation. The best thing about it, Dr. Greer is offering this book to you absolutely free. That's right, a free copy of 120 Minutes to Live Big, mailed to you as a gift. However, that's not all. You will also get 30 days access to Dr. Greer's Growth Lab, a program designed to help you grow from good to great, from mediocre to extraordinary. It's our prayer that this gift leaves you with a burning desire to be better and become everything God wants you to be. So, if you want to live a life that overflows and blesses others, this gift is for you. Claim your free book and get free 30-day access to Dr. Greer's Growth Lab. Simply visit dgmfree.com. You were made to think big, do big, But tomorrow can be bigger Just grow, let the world overflow, yeah Live a life bigger than yourself You're created for greatness Live a life bigger than yourself You've tuned in to the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. God's Word is powerful and full of life. It opens your eyes to how big God is and how big life in Him can be. We pray that today's teaching compels you to grow and live a life bigger than yourself. Download this message and more at gracechurchva.org. Here's Dr. Greer with today's Live Big Message. Mark chapter 6 and verse 49. Lord, open eyes and ears as your Word goes forth. We give you honor in advance for what you're accomplishing. We all say, Amen. Amen. And when they saw him walking on the sea. Now, we're all familiar with this this narrative. We know what's what's going on here. The disciples had been rowing against a storm all night long. And not only were their arms tired, their minds were tired. And some would liken this moment in the disciples' life to to what in military terms we call the fog of war. It's when the the stress of conflict or, or spiritual battle begins to impact our situational awareness. And what happens is we feel just a little bit disoriented. We're, we're not sure what's coming or what's going. And, and we, we start in these moments to, to become a little less certain of our own capabilities and begin often to overstate our enemies. And the Bible says that 
Jesus is coming to them, walking on the water, and they supposed it was a ghost. So in this moment, they began to supersize the devil and undersize God. Now, context is important because all of these men had been eyewitnesses to Jesus turning water into wine. Peter himself, it was his own boat that Jesus filled up with fish and all his business partners. Jesus, before their eyes, had cast out demons, healed all types of diseases. He, the famed madman of Gadara, this crazy man, no one was, would even walk in this area because this man was, was more uh, famed than, who's that crazy man that just passed away that was in jail? What's his name? Uh, Charles Manson. I mean, this guy was nuts. But he came running at Jesus, and instead of Jesus being harmed, he cast a demon out of him, and the man then wanted to follow Jesus. Jesus had already calmed a raging sea because they were constantly crossing over this sea by by boat. He had raised the dead, but still, they were willing to give more credit to the devil than to Jesus. A negative mind will never give you a positive life. So after all those miracles, you'd think that they'd be like, well, they got to be our savior. I mean, he's always been faithful. He's always kept us. I mean, he's been like no other human being in human history. If anyone's coming my way, it got to be God. But the disciples were so negative. And we're going to discover in a few verses, so tired. That instead of saying it must be God, they said it must be a ghost. Psalm 34 and verse 3, this is what my Bible says. It says, oh, let's magnify the Lord with me, not shrink the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but when you're in a storm a little bit longer than you expected, it's easy for God to start shrinking in your eyes. And it says in verse 49, and they cried out. In verse 12 of the same chapter, same book in the Bible, we find the disciples actually casting out demons. Demons are coming out with shrieks and shouts. Now, a few verses later, a supposed devil has them screaming, what happened to the disciples? Stay with me. It says, verse 50, for they all, all the disciples saw him. It was the same kind, gentle, powerful Jesus. But it wasn't what they saw that generated this fear. It was how they were seeing him. It says they all saw him, but watch the response, and they were troubled. It's not always what we see that troubles us. It's a lens through which we see them that causes all the trouble. Stay with me. If your lens is gray, everything you see is going to be gray. If your lens is bright, everything you see is going to be bright. You see, the pessimist sees the ghost in every opportunity. The optimist sees Jesus in every difficulty. And it depends on your lens. 
Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6 and verse 22. Stay with me. We're going to dig in. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye is good or healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or unhealthy, your whole body will be full of what? Darkness. So if we can't see, it's not always because things are dark. But sometimes it's because our minds are. In fact, it took thousands of years for modern science to catch up to Jesus. You see, we do not see with our eyes. We see with our minds. Science tells us that actually the front of our eyeballs are curved. So when light enters the eye, it bends the light. And the light is so bent, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the eye, that it actually creates an upside-down image on the back of our retina. But then it's our brains that flip the image so that we can see it right side up. Stay with me. In the late 1800s, there was this Australian professor that created the first pair of mirrored goggles. These goggles, what they did is they turned everything upside down. So all day long, he'd walk around with these upside down glasses. At first, he was nauseous. He didn't feel good and, and, and all the rest. But his body began to, to adjust. When he went to sleep, he'd wrap his eyes with a blinder or a cloth. But after several days, something began to happen. He noticed that his mind began to turn everything right side up again, though he still had on the goggles. We do not see with our eyes. We see with our minds. I don't think you're convinced. Let me show you something. Put put that up. Frank, read that real quick. Read that real quick. Okay. Uh, Would would you read that real quick? Okay. Is that what's up there? I love Paris in the, the springtime. They saw... With their minds, not with their eyes. Because their mind thought that the sentence was saying something, even though their eyes saw something different. Do you understand what I'm saying? In life, we are filling in gaps with our own perceptions. And we often think those perceptions are actual truth. We do not see with our eyes. We see with our minds. And if your mind be dark, how great is the darkness within? You see, if the lens of your soul is already negative and twisted, what happens when real darkness comes? Real twists and turns come. Everything becomes pitch black. And often we're living with the the sky is falling, not because the sky is falling, but because of the negativity and the lack of faith in our minds. So if the ministry of Jesus was really impacting them the way they should have been impacted, they would have been in the middle of the storm and said, I don't know what that is coming my way, but that got to be my Jesus. It got to be my Jesus. 
And in the middle of your strong, you won't say, oh God, the devil's coming. Say, no, no, no. In the midst of this, somewhere out there, it got to be my Jesus. It got to be my Jesus. The issue is not your circumstance, but the renewing of your mind. Mark 6 and 49. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost. It's our negative, demonic, worldly, carnal assumptions that are sinking us and making us frightened of the only one that can help us. And they cried out for they all saw him and what, 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 what they were what? They were, they were, they were trouble. But immediately he talked with them and said, be of good cheer. Basically, what he was saying is, guys, you have things upside down. You're afraid of the only one that could get you out of the storm. The problem is that our world, as it is, is upside down. But our carnal minds flip it right side up. And that's why the things of God seem so backward at first. And it takes Holy Spirit revelation to get things back up in our minds. Right? You see, Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. The carnal mind said, that makes no sense. You see, what's happened is you flip things upside down. So the Holy Spirit comes to flip it back up. Jesus says, forgive. You said, no, I'm going to get them back. The problem is your carnal mind got things upside down. You think it's truth, but it's really darkness in your mind. And Jesus comes with his word to reflip. It's an upside down kingdom, but it's really a right side up kingdom. And we got it upside down. Does anyone understand what I'm getting at today? So Jesus was like, turn your frown upside down. Be of good cheer. You see, if they didn't have more confidence in the devil than they had in God, they would have already been happy. You see, happiness is not a goal, it's a byproduct. And when you got your mind stayed on the right thing, seeing it the right way, it's amazing how joy just bubbles up. And he says to them, hey God, I'm not a ghost. It is I, the same Jesus. Do not, I like this verse, be afraid. If God is all you have, you have all you need. If God is for you, it really doesn't matter what storm or what problem, what person is against you. If Goliath is in front of you, it's because God must see a David on the inside of you. So that's why the Bible says when you fall into various trials and tribulations, count it all joy. You see, God's king upside down. You see, in the natural, the carnal man, eh. God says, no, eh. When you go through trouble, see it through my lens, and, and you begin to realize that this world, as you see it, or the lens you have, needs supernatural help and adjustment. Let's go to verse 51. Then he went up into the boat with him, and the wind, what? Ceased. Notice, it was after they changed their attitude. 
after they cheered up that Jesus changed their situation. I am preaching good right here. Hey, we're, we're all going to feel bad at times. And sometimes it takes a whole day to shake yourself out. But I don't give myself more than 24 hours. So sometimes something bad, I say, I'll give you 24 hours, boy. But by the end of this 24 hours, you better be over it. But the principle I want you to see here is Jesus calmed the wind only after the disciples were willing to make a choice to rejoice. It takes faith to rejoice in the middle of a storm. It takes faith to rejoice when you're talking to someone a few moments ago you thought was a ghost. And what I want to say to you today is the turnaround in your life might depend on you doing the same. And when the wind ceased, it says they were greatly amazed. I mean, you should be or should have some amazement with God because he's amazing. You should at times be at awe of God, or actually frequently at awe of God, because he's awesome. But we're about to see these next verses. Their shocked response was actually an indication of their unbelief in the fact that all that time they really hadn't been getting it. Watch this. It says they were not just amazed but greatly amazed. And then watch the remainder of the sentence because it it couldn't just be like, they weren't just excited, which, which was natural. They weren't just amazed, which was natural. They were greatly amazed in themselves beyond what? Measure. These disciples were so shocked, they needed smelling salts. How many of you know it's a beautiful thing to see a stallion run? But how many of you pass out? We don't, because that's what stallions do. How many think it's, it's an awesome thing? It's an amazing thing to hear a lion roar. But how many of you go to the zoo and pass out when you hear a lion roar? You don't because that's what, what lions do. How many of you know it's, it's an amazing thing to see you know, a, a blue whale you know, come next to your, your ship? And uh, well, hopefully you're on a ship, a little boat, you're in trouble. But you know, come next to the cruise liner and, and then, you know, sport out that stuff he spurts out and, and, and man, you know, it's like, wow, that's amazing. But how many of you pass out? You don't because that's what whales do. So why are we so shocked when God does the impossible? Isn't that what God does? Sometimes your excitement betrays your unbelief. It says, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure. I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was just too far. And on top of that, they marveled. To God, this would be like me picking up my five-year-old because there's a rainstorm or something going on, big winds and stuff. So I, you know, go to the, the bus stop in my car and I pick the boy up. And then the boy gets in the car in the front seat and he starts to hyperventilate it. And it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, daddy. Wow. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, it's so amazing that you picked me up in my car, in your car. That's what daddies do. I don't, I don't know if you're getting me. I mean, we, we ought to be thankful and grateful. But when God heals your cancer, that's what God does. 
Do you understand? When he helps you get that job, that's what God does. It's awesome. It's amazing. We celebrate it. But we don't fall out talking about it can't be. Because that's what God does. The supernatural should become normal. Miracles should be an everyday part of our lives. And they were greatly amazed. 52. For they had not understood about the loaves. Watch this. Here's the analysis of why they reacted the way they did. Because their heart was hardened. Being overly shocked. Being overly amazed and surprised by God's miraculous power is an indication of a hardened heart. So how did these disciples, in the presence of God, Emmanuel, God himself, taken on flesh, in the presence of such supernatural, mighty miracles, I mean, they sat down with Jesus and basked in the presence of God. It was just an amazing experience. They saw things eyes longed to see for generations, ears couldn't even imagine. Or, I mean, we really hadn't heard the half of what Jesus would, would have come. How does all that happen? We're going to have to look back in the narrative, and Dr. Chan covered this a little bit last week, in order to begin to understand what was going on. Mark 6 and verse 31. And Jesus said to them, we're going back to the same chapter. We've been in chapter 6 all morning. Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Now, we know John the Baptist had just died. And John the Baptist was like, you know, MLK or JFK in the 60s. Everyone knew where they were. When they got the news, it was like our, our almost our 9-11 is just a little bit different. But the point is, I mean, this was the greatest spiritual leader in the nation. He didn't just die of old age. He was killed. And then, you know, they had all on top of that, they just returned from the first solo ministry mission where these guys went out. They cast out demons. They healed the sick and Jesus wasn't with them. And and then they came back and the Bible said they, they, they gave him great detail. All 12 went through everything that happened while they were away. And it's important to have uh, folks that you could be accountable to. But when Jesus saw these men, he recognized they were clearly tired. And that they needed some rest. For they were many coming and going. And they did not even have time to, to eat. These men couldn't even take care of their practical needs. These guys were doing ministry and running on empty. How many of you have ever done that? Yeah. So Jesus said, hey, we're going to go to a deserted place. Y'all are tired. Y'all, y'all need to rest. And in the midst of that, they can't even have a meal or a snack. So Jesus gathers up all his guys, and they departed to a deserted place in the boat, trying to leave everybody behind by themselves. So Jesus took all his boys on a getaway. But right after Peter jumped into the swimming pool, and John is putting on a suntan lotion, about to lay out in the sun and and sip on, uh, uh, sip on, uh, uh, a little juice and uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden 10, 15, 20, 100, 200, 300, 1,000, 5,000 
unexpected guest crash the resort? How many of y'all might just feel a little bit put out? And this is the only vacation these guys have had. They were trying to get away, go to a desolate place, meaning nobody's there except us. But instead of getting angry, watch what the Bible says. Well, actually, it doesn't say this here. It says it elsewhere. It says Jesus was moved with compassion. And he fed the 5,000 people, but he did it through his disciples. And what did Dr. Chan show us last week? Jesus would break the bread and the fish. They grew up, broke into groups of 50, 100, what have you. And if there are 5,000 men, it's probably about at least 15,000 people. And how many of you know, you got, come on, you got 100 people per group. How many groups to get to 15,000? You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. We pray that you are inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. Find out more about this broadcast, Grace Church, and Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. Dr. Greer and his wife, Pastor Yermutu, invite you to meet them at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia for vibrant worship, Bible teaching, and fellowship each Sunday and Wednesday. Click gracechurchva.org for service times, directions, and much more. Again, that's gracechurchva.org. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. Watch the Live Big broadcast Monday through Friday and every Sunday. Check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have, but until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big. God wants you to live a life bigger than yourself, inspired by the vision he has for you. Sometimes we get stuck on our journey. We know something needs to change, but we don't know what or how. The question we must ask ourselves is, how do I break free from these limitations? To help you identify where you are on your journey to living big, Dr. Derek Greer has developed an assessment tool to reveal where you're stuck. Based on your individual results, this tool will identify the barriers keeping you from moving forward. Once you complete this free assessment, you'll be able to claim free a copy of Dr. Greer's brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big. To get started, visit canilivebig.com today.